<laughs> so, so the nun said to the vicar, I wouldn't pay that price for it, and, uh, and he did. So it was very... <laughs> yes. She's not put your mic on. She's obviously telling you something. She's not very happy with me. No. Four hours is too much for anybody. In the real world, four hours is a career. Although, the good news is this morning, about the, uh, the BBC... <laughs> yes. They're all wetting themselves out in the country. We read this story. The BBC have decided that they're going to... Well, it's not, it's not fully gone through. Mm. They're going to get rid of all the local radio, you know, BBC whatever it is, BBC this, BBC that, and just have it as Five Live. Oh, really? So, in other words, just have a main register. Because, to be quite honest, I don't think local radio serves any purpose at all. It's only listened to by two cats and a sheep. Yeah. And the thing is, they don't figure. have to actually worry about getting any listeners because they just get pots of money sent to them yes. anyway. Well, it was our money. Yeah. I'm paying for it. I am a, I'm a licensed, <laughs> all of you, well, probably not her, because she's yeah. got a television. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm actually, oh, you've got it now, have you? Have you bought the licence? But you know what, though? Yeah, yeah, I want to see a copy, but, bring a photocopy. Do you know what the most week. annoying thing is, though? I bet you're a pound to the pinch of the proverbial that they might get rid of local radio, but we'll still have to pay the same. They won't reduce our licence fee oh, because no, we're no, losing no, something. Of course not. No, no, no. Of course no, not. No. Of course but not. you could have saved a fortune ages ago by, by getting rid of it. Yeah. I remember uh, I, was, I was saying to, um, what's the name of your AP? I can't remember. Sam. And, Sam, yes. I was saying to, <laughs> such an old gag. I, uh, I was saying to him, I said, I remember years ago looking at, I think, the one in Reading, and they used to do farming news in the morning on the breakfast show. Yeah. Farming news, I ask you. And the local <laughs> vicar did the Sunday show. It's very sweet, but it's, it's a little bit doolally time, and it's a little bit twee. Yeah. You don't need it anymore. No, you need to... Because you want... Proper hard news conversation, current yes. affairs. Although, what's going to happen to all the people who work for local radio? You know, yeah. what happens to them? Because there would be, on any station, I should imagine, if you include all the freelancers, 20 or 30 people at minimum. Yeah. Well, let's think. It's the BBC, so there'll be at least five producers on each show. Yes. Um, yes. I mean, you'd have, a t- you'd have someone actually shining your shoes at the moment under the desk. You would. Do you think so? Yeah. I who that, that job could go to. <laughs> a few yeah. names in the frame. <laughs> so it's like it's so yeah. unbelievably overstaffed. Well, I remember going, going to Radio 1 years and years ago and discovering how many people were actually putting out the show. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's actually unbelievable. It was, they ju- and you think, what the hell are you all doing? If it was a commercial environment, half of those well, people would go more than half. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I mean, in- some, some people working for the BBC have about three little sidekicks on the show. Yeah. Because they can't do a show by themselves, so they have to bring in three little numpties who sit yeah. there and sort of laugh and contribute. But they're not actually good enough to take over the programme. They're just there as, like, sort of bits of plasticine in the corner. Oh, OK, I get it, yeah. Just you know, like they random just sit there and, and, the, and the presenter will say something funny or relatively funny or, in many cases, not funny at all. And the, and the sidekicks will go, Aah! And make a lot of noise like that. It's all a bit embarrassing, I'm afraid. Um, have you seen that Christine wants Frank's babies? Yes. I would have thought, actually, Christine, if you're listening, love, because you will be getting up now, because it must take you hours to do your makeup. <laughs> do you not maybe think marriage first before children? Only guessing, you know, a little bit old-fashioned here. Or do you think maybe up, up the duff first? Oh, I like them. I think they seem like a nice couple. He's already got two children. Yeah, well, so he can have more. Do you think women... <laughs> sort of, do you think women... I mean, I don't want to be sort of sexist about this, but I'm going to have to be. Do you think she thinks, if we have children, he'll really love me forever? I don't know. I Do you think Erin, the last one, thought that, or whatever her name was? I, I, think that, I think they seem like a nice couple. I think they seem genuine. Have you seen her on the television? Well, not, not often. I mean, I, she, she I, is just another wag, I'm afraid. Mm. It's just that she's a bit snooty and but thinks he, she's better than wags. He admires her work ethic. Yes. He does, because all the other wags... But apparently don't have work. any time for sex, she was saying, oh, because really? of the fact she has to go to bed early. Oh, dear. I mean, he only plays football about once a week. What are you doing the rest of the time, love? Yeah. 
You know, if you stop going out to restaurants and trying to get yourself in the papers, it might be a lot easier. Weekends, maybe. Oh, no, she can't do that. They're far too busy trying to be a showbiz couple, but he's as boring as hell, isn't he? <laughs> well, I've seen him being interviewed. He's only about two foot tall. Ask James O'Brien. Ask, ask James <laughs> O'Brien, you know, your best friend, Frank Lampard. Actually, I, I did a show once. Frank Lampard didn't know it was me. And he turned up at the uh, Middlesex show, and he was right at the front of the stage. Really? And I remember looking at him thinking, that's Frank Lampard. Isn't he small? Oh, yeah. He's, he's another small football. You imagine... I don't know whether you imagine footballers to be tall, but he, he's not. Mm. Not a tall person. But what the, what they talk about, I've got no idea. Apparently, you have to get a translator in for her family. They've got another Irish one on there at the moment now, on Daybreak. Are they? A, like a, a cover woman. Yes. Um, and her no, I think Veronia. she is the cover. She is the cover for the set. <laughs> They've changed the set so many times. It's so boring. Radio is so much more instantaneous, mm. and you don't have to sort of dress up for it or look smart. You've just got to be witty and intelligent, which is sadly neither of them have on yeah. the television. Yeah, but they're earning more than we are. Yeah, but there again, right, not not more than me. No, obviously not more. Than, I mean, you are the richest person I know in radio, next know, to me. Did you hear about my garden? I've got my beautiful whitewashed Grecian-style garden with, Ooh, with paw God, prints all over vile. it. Whitewashed? Yeah, I've got white walls. Where do you I've think got white... you are? Larnaca or something? <laughs> yes. Have you recreated Aphrodite's garden? I actually have. Oh, God. It's lovely. It's no? absolutely beautiful. It's white walls. I thought white... you in a flat. Yeah, it's, a, it's got a garden. Well, what have you done? You've done an extension on that council property. Do they know about this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, is that normal? And there's granite everywhere as you well. You haven't. I have. Really? Well, you yeah. brought it back from home. It's 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 a little piece of Larnaca. <laughs> I'm not I'm not from Larnaca. Uh, where are you from? Nafpil. It would mainland. be, wouldn't it, Naf? Yeah, it would be very. <laughs> that would be the place you'd be from. So there you go. You've got it all whitewashed. Yeah. Do you paint stones white? I've got actual. Uh, oh. I've got actual seating, which is into oh. the built into the brickwork. Oh God, I'm gonna be sick. It's lovely. My mother used to paint... St- well, we, we didn't... I tell a lie. We knew people who painted their stones white in the garden. Yeah. They would go out and I used to think... Oh, that sounds lovely. <laughs> just if you're living in Bournemouth, I should imagine. <laughs> but it ain't so good here, let me tell you. Anyway, lovely to see you. Yeah. Have a great weekend. Hope the weight Thank falls you. off. Thank It is. It is actually falling off me. I bought a new bicycle yesterday. Good. Is it still in the box? You managed to get it out, did you? Or? I rode it home. Did you? I had to have a new saddle, though, because it wasn't very comfortable. No. Well, it didn't have your size, I suppose, really, to find a saddle that fits. I beg your pardon. It would be easier just to put a kitchen chair on there, wouldn't it, really, I suppose? <laughs> <laughs> Only joking. Just, you could just wheeled me along in one of the office chairs. <laughs> don't joke. I would. Have a lovely weekend. Thank you. Sorry we can't do lunch over it. Oh, no, well, I'm coming over. Are you? Yeah. All right, good. I look forward to seeing you then. Yeah, I'll be which, there. Which, which, which day? Um, I'll be there, well, I'm usually there Saturday morning and Saturday's afternoon. great. And Sunday <coughs> I'll be there. I'll be, I'll be outside. You'll see me in my car. Yes, that's fantastic. I shall ram right into the back of it. <laughs> It'll be one of those accidents waiting to happen, and I'll be then putting in one of those fraudulent claims. Do you remember, actually, they, they, Christo was talking about the fraudulent claims overnight, and this woman, who'd had her car lightly tapped, and then they'd, uh, quite clearly they were crooks, uh, they then sort of tried to claim about a year later for for damage and all this kind of stuff. We've gone compensation mad in this country. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, I was thinking to myself, there was a great case on the television. I think it, it might have been <coughs> an Esther Ransom, or it might have been somebody else. And uh, it was a bloke who had claimed that he was so disabled he couldn't walk into court... And so they had to take him in an especially adapted chair. And unfortunately, unbeknownst to him the cameras were hiding around the back of the court because they just wanted to make sure he was disabled. Because you know a lot of people actually lie about it. And uh, he bounced out the back of the car. And then by the time they actually got him into the court, he was in one of these adapted wheelchairs and he was lolloping to one side. And yet the moment 
And, and when he was in the court, he actually claimed he couldn't speak or anything and dribbled. He did the whole act. He was, of course, a bent, fraudulent crook. And, uh, and he was told about that in court. And it's amazing how quickly he changed. Once you suss the, the, these people out, the sun went round the other day. They took the bloke round. Uh, t- they, they took um, uh, an army person round who had been damaged in the war. He'd lost a leg and an arm. And they took him round to that bloke who burnt the poppy. But being the girl's blouse that he was, he'd skipped out for the day. He, he, he wasn't there, and he, he decided he wasn't even going to phone them. And this is uh, Chowdhury. Spotted at 2pm, and then, like a little girl, he ran away with his little tail between his legs. The battler and the bottler. The poppy-burning hate monger, a rather pathetic little thing. Mind you, not half as pathetic as a bloke called Ross Hamilton. And you'll know why Ross Hamilton is famous this morning, because he's a nasty little girl's blouse as well. In fact, he's a coward. He's a coward. Ross Hamilton is 20. He looks a bit thick, I'm afraid. But he was the one, he's actually come forward and revealed himself as the thug who attacked uh, Ant in the pub in Chiswick yesterday. And he says here... He's, he's been arrested for other fights. He's a bit, he's a bit silly. He's a little bit... He, not only is he limited intelligence, but he's, he's just stupid. A rather sad, lonely little person. He says, um, he says, I put my arm around Ant and said, where's your girlfriend? Because he's a bit stupid. He said, I thought he must be used to that. He didn't think it was funny, so I pinched his cheek and said, you're cute when you get angry. He didn't like that, so I gave him a slap. I tell you what, if I'd been there, Mr Hamilton, you'd have been eating dirt on the floor, matey, you stupid little prat. You really are the biggest idiot ever. And I hope that when people see you walking down the street today in your little compo hat and your little shirt, they point and laugh at you, because that's what you deserve, you stupid little man, honestly. He obviously drinks at the Barley Mow in Chiswick. Not exactly the most classy pub in the area, it has to be said. But uh, if it attracts people like that, you'd certainly be wanting to avoid it. But uh, we'll see you again, Mr Hamilton, I'm quite sure, because you look a bit stupid. Ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, no John this morning, I'm afraid. Uh, the reason no John, he's not well. He's not, he phoned me yesterday and went, oh. I went, oh, who is it? I thought it, was a, I thought it was one of those sort of heavy breathing phone calls, so I sort of kept him on the line because I wasn't busy. And uh, at least I'm not well. He said, and I've decided, he said, not to infect you and, uh, and her next door. I said, well, I don't mind you infecting her. It doesn't matter to me. And, um, and so he's not in today, but what he's going to do, because he goes on holiday next Thursday and he's doing one of his luxury cruises. So he's going to the Bahamas, going to Antigua, he's going to all sorts of luxury places. So Tuesday, John will come in the studio, and then next Friday, we'll have him reporting from all these exotic locations, because there's one thing I like doing, is talking to him when he's away, because he's there looking out, and sometimes he sends me a photo to my phone, and you can go, oh my God, he's in a lovely place, isn't he? Really, really nice. So that's what will happen, but he's not going to be in today, because he's not well. And uh, there's no point, if you're going away on holiday very shortly, and he's got a heavy workload, I mean, I've got a really heavy workload today. I've got to get the car washed. Fly to the car cleaner remembers to wash it. And I've got to get socks. And, and I've got to do a little bit of shopping. I mean, it's, it's this hurly-burly showbiz world. I can't help it. I'm just constantly mixing with showbiz people. Who did we talk to yesterday? Tracy Ann Oberman. Tracy Ann Oberman. I like her. Big fan. We're going to get her in to do the papers, actually, because we have a lot of a lot of friends in common, including Jonathan Levi, for some strange reason, which we have to ask him about, and uh, Andy Nyman and everything else. You'll hear her very shortly. But this weekend, for In Conversation, it's Neil Tennant from the Pet Shop Boys. It's an hour special 
because it's a really, really good conversation. We own, you know, if, if we're going to run somebody for an hour, it's got to be a really good conversation, and he's a really good conversation. So you get a bit of music taken from the, uh, the new ballet, which they've written. And before you go, ballet, Pet Shop Boys, you wait till you hear it, you'll absolutely love it, which is going to be going on at Sadler's Well. So details this Sunday morning from 6, in conversation with Neil Tennant. <laughs> These are the headlines. One of Colonel Gaddafi's sons has threatened full-scale military action against rebels trying to force an end to his father's regime. It's likely to prompt a response from European leaders who are meeting in Brussels later. An increase in the number of staged accidents is being blamed for a big rise in the cost of car insurance. The report says a special police unit is needed to crack down on it. And there's a huge Euro Millions rollover tonight. There's a prize of £68 million. If you win, you'll go above Jamie Oliver in the Sunday Times Rich List thrilling thought. With the travel, it's Rachel. Good morning. Thanks, Steve. It's not looking too bad on the road so far. Morning, everybody. How are you? I trust you well. No good shouting back into the radio. I can't hear it. They do that a lot, don't they? I go, hello, and people shout back, hello. Doesn't actually get us anywhere, but uh, but it's a start. And, uh, and David says, can you wish good luck to my wife, Jenny? She's having a second eye operation today. The first one was very successful. Uh, not, he says, that I'll be able to get away with anything. Love the show. We're ardent listeners every day. Internet connection working here in Turkey. Oh dear. I wonder what the weather's like there. Because over here, it's actually not bad. It's actually not bad. Gary is uh, having a fab time. He said, we've just come from the beach to laze by the pool. I'm feeling so rotund, too much beer and food. You see, I bet there'll be, be a complaint about this afterwards. That, you know, I'm t- terribly sorry. Here we were in Thailand, and there was too much food. Because that is the danger, isn't it? Don't ever go on a cruise if you want to lose weight, because the food is there 24 hours a day. You could literally eat from the moment you get on the blasted ship to the moment you get off it. It's so easy to put on weight. But, see, I think a holiday should be a relaxing time, not let's run round the deck. Thank you very much indeed. It's a case of let's go to the bar. So, really, if, if you're going to take a, a cruise, go on a crash diet for about three weeks before, and then when you get on the cruise, just eat, because they've got everything. They even had cake night one night. And you all, and they, they have all their patisserie chefs in there and shoe, shoe, whatever, I don't know, whatever, shoe pastry and everything. And they make all these cakes and you can eat them. Well, of course you can. There's no point just looking at them. But everybody queues up to eat a cake. And to be honest with you, I did it one time. I thought, I really couldn't face that again. I really couldn't. The food I thought was excellent. Didn't have a bad meal on a, on a cruise ship at all. I thought it was really, really good. Um, uh, we're all £200 a month worse off. You bet your bottom dollar we are because of fuel. Because the fact that petrol has gone through the roof. And here she is, Shana Bukhari. She's hoping to make history by being the first Muslim to represent Great Britain in Miss Universe. And she's wearing a bikini, whether other people like it or not. Her family are right behind her. She said she's had, you know, people writing hate stuff about her on on Facebook. And uh, she's been told that she was sinful. And she says, it just makes me more determined. And I quite agree. I quite agree. You go for it, girl. You go for it. You know, if you're the prettiest person, I don't think you should ever get something because you are. So, you know, but, you know, it's like putting somebody on there. You're terribly sorry, I've only got one leg or this or that. You know, you, you must go on and you must win, you know, for the, for the right reasons, not out of a sympathy vote going, well, I tell you, let's be PC. Let's make a, a Muslim girl win because that'll be different. So all Muslim girls can then go, hey, we can wear bikinis too. You can do whatever you like. Do whatever you like. As long as, you know, I know lots of Christians who don't necessarily adhere, you know, word for word to the Bible. You know, people do what they want. I even know Jews who eat bacon. Okay, you know, it's as simple as that. Everybody does it in moderation. It's fine. As long as you're happy with yourself, I I won't be told by anybody how to live my life. My work, completely different. But I will not be told how to live my life, you know. It's a case of I earn my money, I do what I want with it. 
I can remember years ago people saying, shouldn't you be doing this? And why don't you mind your own business? I don't come round to your bloody house and tell you how to live your life. You know, shouldn't you be doing the washing up for you? Oh, shut up. Shut up, shut up, shut up. Get very angry. Um, also in the paper today, here's this Megan Fox. I, I think I've heard of Megan Fox. She's an actress, apparently, and she's in the fantasy drama Passion Play. Showing a lot of bosom in this thing. A lot of bosom. I mean, it's all right if you've got a lot of bosom to show. And, uh, and she's certainly showing a lot of bosom. Uh, plus here, oh, that very sad story of that army bomb hunter. Lance Corporal Liam Tarscrew came back with the ashes of his dog. His dog, they say, well, his, his parents were saying they, they like to think that the dog died of a broken heart. And uh, there was a very famous dog, isn't there, in Scotland? Is it Greyfriars Bobby? That when his master died... Uh, the dog used to visit the grave every day and just sit by the grave. I mean, it's a very touching story. It was made into a film by Disney, and there is a little statue to Greyfriars Bobby, I think, up in this uh, in this little villa. I can't remember where it is. Somebody will tell me. And uh, oh my god! Oh, if you really want to feel thin today, here she is, Georgia Davis. This is this at uh, in August two thousand and eight, age fifteen. She was thirty three stone. Then she appeared in the papers, and they helped her because she's totally bloody useless at doing anything for herself. She came down to 18 stone, and March of this year, uh, she's 17, and she's 40 stone. Now, to be honest with you, I don't really think you should waste your time and money with somebody like this. We've already done it once. Quite clearly, she wants to sit there and gorge. So it's just that they've stuck her in the, in the papers again. She says, I want to get fit. The only thing I don't like is walking. Well, I mean, how stupid are you, love? How stupid. She's been told, if you don't slim, you're going to die. It's kind of, you know, but why should we have to waste time in the papers putting this girl in there? You know, if, if, if she wants to gorge herself to death, that's her business. I don't think we should interfere. She's been helped once before. You can only tell somebody so many times, listen, love, pigging out on a packet of sausages for breakfast, you're going to get fat. You know, pigging out on chicken and crisps and biscuits as your snacks are going to make you fat. You can't be that stupid. You have, you know, I mean, you learnt at school because everybody had school lunch. I mean, frankly, how we ever survived through school lunch is another miracle in itself. But we did, and we got an apple, or your parents did your little box with some sandwiches, maybe a little pork pie, chocolate biscuit, and an apple and an orange. God knows what they must have put in her thing, because at the age of 15, she was 33 stone. You don't get that through glandular problem, do you? But she believes that she'll now be in a better place now to concentrate on regular training nutrition. And let me tell you now, she'll lose it, it'll be in the papers, and in a year's time she'll be exactly back where she was before. Because it's not just like... I think some people think that you lose weight and then it stays off for the rest of your life. It doesn't. It doesn't. As Christo is proving quite successfully. That, you know, he, he wants to lose weight to go on his holiday, and he's done it before... And he's going to do it, and then he'll put the weight back on again when he's come back from holiday because he doesn't need to sort of worry about meeting people or things like that. You know, because sometimes people say, it's like girls. Don't we have that, that trainer, Kevin, who wrote in? And he does a thing for brides, whereby brides before their wedding go, I'm determined to get into that size 40 hips, you know, dress, and so I need to lose a bit of weight. And so they go on this boot camp thing to lose weight. It's only a quick fix, and that's what we do in this country. We do yo-yo dieting. I mean, I model myself on half the news desk up there this morning because, what well, they probably model themselves on me. I mean, Dan is sort of cutting out chocolate and stuff like that. I mean, secretly, though, I'm looking at, he must be eating it at home. I don't care what anybody says. He's not eating it here, you know, and people do it. They go, oh, no, couldn't eat that. It's like Christo. I just said, would you like an aero? Got a peppermint aero here. And he went, no. I said, look, it's only about 157 calories, 8% fat. And he went, no, 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 no. But you know... 
that I've now planted the idea in his mind. 157 cal- I could do that. Because if I eat that today, then I go cycling. I'm going to burn it off. And that's the idea. You can eat what you want, but you've got to then take the exercise. Just remember, some people are naturally thin, and some people are prone to putting on weight. And you're probably one of those who is prone to putting on weight. Noreen, I shouldn't imagine, puts on an ounce in the course of a year. She's probably exactly the same size now she was two years ago. Whereas poor Georgia Davis, you know, now trawls her poor, unhappy carcass through the pages of the papers. As what? I'm not sure if it's a reminder to everybody else who puts on a lot of weight. They know they're putting on a lot of weight. They don't have to be told about it. If somebody's fat, they know they're fat. Because you take your clothes off for the shower, don't you? You know, you stand there and you go, I look fat. You don't look in the mirror and think, I look thin. But we're so obsessed with it. We're absolutely obsessed with it now. This sort of losing weight. Oh, they found, they found a most remarkable item from 1915. I don't know if Christy, uh, Christo mentioned this. And do you remember uh, an army soccer team wanted to raise spirits by dribbling and passing leather balls as they went over the top at the Battle of Luce in France. They found one of the balls from 1915, and it's got a tear in it, they say, from the barbed wire. Uh, Sergeant Frank Edwards hit a sixth, and uh, they shot five balls to frustrate, you know, the madcap plan, because they were so frustrated. Somebody said, you're not doing that. And so they they kicked the ball over, and this one was, was saved. This one was saved. It was pierced by the barbed wire where it stayed until after the battle, which cost 50,000 British lives, count them. It was retrieved and displayed at the London Irish Rifles Regimental Museum, then placed in storage and forgotten. And it was recently discovered falling to bits in a box when a relative of Frank's asked about it as he researched a book on the battle. The ball was sent to the Leather Leather Conservation Centre in Northampton, where it was patched up from the inside, the rubber bladder had perished, so the ball was padded with cotton. Isn't that amazing? They've still got it from 19... I love it when they find things like that. It sort of makes me... I mean, because I always get told off for hanging on to everything. People say, oh, you know, you're just a hoarder. And I go, yeah. And Gary, who was showing me his equipment earlier on downstairs, he um, he, th- he, he doesn't keep anything. So if, if he buys five pairs of trousers in a year, he gets rid of the other ones. Whereas me, I buy five pairs of, and hang on to the other ones as well. So you end up with ten pairs of trousers in the course of the year. So by the time you're five years down the line, you can imagine, can't you? You've got a lot of pairs of trousers, half of which you cannot fit into. Because they say that you've got to be good and you've got to clear stuff. I can't. I cannot throw stuff out. I'm just... I I think to myself, oh, I might might want that in a year's time. Somebody might say, have you got so-and-so, so-and-so? And And people do ask me. My neighbours used to say, have you got a chainsaw stick? Yes, I've got one of those. And I can always go and find something. I can always go and find it. So I quite like the idea of hoarding. But at the same time, you know, living about two inches from the ceiling is proving a bit of a problem. This is LBC 97.8. Morning, everybody. 28 minutes to six is the time. I never thought I'd say this, says Paul, but for once I have to disagree with you. He says, I realise the main thrust of this, uh, of this thing is the closure of the BBC local stations. No, it's the saving of the money. It's the saving of the money, as I'll explain in a minute. He said, surely LBC's main attraction is that it's billed as London's biggest conversation. So therefore would assume it's primarily local. Yes, we're a local, we are a London station. We're a London. The fact you can hear us elsewhere is immaterial. The fact that you can pick us up in Manchester or Turkey or Spain or Thailand or America or Russia or the Urals, it doesn't matter. It's a London station. We are based here in London. Having said that, he said, I like to think that even being from Manchester, I'm part of LBC's extended family. You are, but you don't figure in our audience research. 
So, in other words, when we're compiling our audience figures, uh, people in Manchester and all the people listening around the world sadly don't figure. It'd be great if they did. It would be absolutely fantastic, but they don't, because we're a London radio station. He said maybe a, a regional service would say breakfast and drive time opt-outs and a slimmed-down staff might be the answer for the BBC. Well, the difference between the BBC and commercial radio, he says, after all, that's how global have gone with the sister stations. Exactly, but that's purely a financial thing, because we're a commercial station. We don't cost you a penny piece. The BBC cost you money. Local BBC stations cost millions, but yet don't figure in the... Ra- Nobody ever bothers with the BBC's ratings for the local stations because it makes no difference whether they get a zero rating. You've only got to look at poor little Radio London with you know, practically zero rating for many programmes, that it really doesn't make any difference. They'll still keep getting the same amount of money in, whereas we have to keep on top of the game because we're a, we're a commercial radio. He says, surely room for everyone... He says, and uh, as you say, even if the local stations go, the licence fee won't go down. It won't, actually. The licence fee would never go down because they'll spend the money on something else. But I guarantee you wouldn't notice any difference if they pumped out, you know, three, four, five, whatever it happened to be, into the local radio. It would make no difference at all. If, if you closed down Radio London tomorrow, it wouldn't make the slightest difference. The only difference it would make would be to all the staff who are committed to it. And, th- and that is the problem. But in this market place at the moment and in this economic time, you have to make programmes that, that come in at the right price. I mean, believe it or not, everything is budgeted. They don't just stick presenters in and, you know, stick them with a shed load of cash and then go that. People very much now, as I said the other week, are, are, are geared to whether or not they, they can get an audience. If you can't get an audience and you can't generate anything, then there's no point in somebody... They're not going to keep you out of sympathy. They are not going to keep you just because just they like the, the cut of your jib or the look of your face. Otherwise, I'd have been out years ago. But, um, so that, that, that's how it works. So to be honest with you, the, the local BBC, it wouldn't make any difference if it went. It really wouldn't keep Vanessa off the airways. But anyway, so, I mean, that'd be quite a nice thing. But apart, apart from that, th- there's no reason for keeping it. It's, it's, it could be trimmed down quite easily, quite easily. And it would save us money, us as the licence payer. Although, as I've said before, and I would probably stick by it, I don't think they'd be the same. And because we've now closed down all these stations, we've saved £500 million, and we're going to give you a pound back each on your licence. <laughs> not. Anyway, proving what a class act she really is. Yes, dreadful old bag. Poor Chloe Maidley makes the papers again today. Why? Do you think she's done something really intelligent, like saved a life? Do you think she's sort of given loads of money to charity? Do you think she's helped her mother across the road? Do you think she's made her parents proud of her? I shouldn't think so. She confessed to Bill Turnbull during an interview the other day that she doesn't wear knickers when she's dancing on ice. You old slapper, really. What on earth is the matter with you? What is the matter? Why on earth, unless you're particularly stupid, Chloe, which I'm led to believe you are, would you want to tell people that? I mean, it's just... You've just cheapened yourself. I mean, if you're going to be sort of glamour model, you need to get your nose done first. But then, you know, you could do that. But to be honest with you... Nobody needs to know this kind of thing. If your parents are proud of that, because, you know, your father didn't seem to worry about the dope smoking, so I shouldn't imagine he worries about the knicker side of it either. It's just a bit tacky, dear, isn't it? I mean, perhaps you want the public to think those sort of things about you. In which case, I'm even more worried for your limited career. Talking of limited career, um, the boys from Blue have released their Eurovision single. <sighs> uh, why don't we just stay in bed for the day? It's too embarrassing. Too embarrassing for words. However... You know, we've, we've had Britain's Got Talent, and they put a few little people on there, and we go, and oh, that, that's really cute, next. And, and then 
if they don't make it, they then decide to go to something else. So, Kieran Gaffney is popping up on the X Factor. You'll remember Kieran when I tell you that Kieran was 14 and he was the little boy who drummed. He had a set of drums, which was very sweet, but I don't know where you put a 14-year-old who drums. You know, it's not really, you know, and here he is, Kieran Gaffney. You know, it's not really that exciting. But now, apparently, he sings. And he was at the... uh, the first stage of the auditions at the London O2 this week and put in an impressive performance. Uh, so a lot of those who we kicked out years ago have started to drag their carcasses back round again because they're not going to give up because they want to be the dream. They want to have the dream. Unfortunately, it's so embarrassing because so many of these people... Although, I don't know if Chloe Maidley can make it by telling you she doesn't wear knickers, then I suppose there's hope for anybody who can remotely pick up a set of drumsticks. But it is a bit, uh, a bit worrying. I do like Daniel Hayden. Daniel Hayden's a real sweetie. He's lovely. He actually turned up uh, last week on Take Me Out. You know the programme where they have all the girlies and they bring a man down in a lift and sometimes, you know, you wish they hadn't brought him down in the lift and sometimes you wish the lift had kept going. And they get out there and they have to impress the girls so that they go out for a date. And the reason that the boys are on there is because they're looking for love. It's, which is quite nice, actually. Unfortunately, the case of Daniel Hayden, he told his girlfriend he was away on a business trip. She turned on the television to discover he was the one who was trawling for a new girlfriend. She's about to cut his little spherical objects off, ladies and gentlemen. She's not a happy person at all. Uh, she said he, uh, he said he had mentioned a bonding trip with the staff and texted me saying, we're in Tenerife. She turns on the television and there he is. Perhaps they've started making Take Me Out in Tenerife. But anyway, uh, Sarah dumped him, declaring he gave up our real love for five minutes of fame. But, darling Sarah, it was, it was never real love. He just, he just wanted to use you because you were available. And he really wanted to be on the television and be famous. And that's the problem. He's had his five minutes, and now everybody knows what he is, and nobody really cares. Nobody cares at all. Oh, Jeff Brazier will join the Dancing on Ice tour, but only for five dates. Five dates too many, as far as I'm concerned. And um, one here, EastEnders Outcast. That's Syed Massoud ends up badly hurt when the roof falls in at an engagement party. I'm so, I really don't know who he is, actually. You know who he is. Who is he? What does he do? He's... Well, obviously he's a character. I've just mentioned he's a character. Who is he? Gay? In EastEnders? What's going on in the world? A gay, a gay Muslim? In EastEnders? No. Does he have a boyfriend? Oh, I bet the family hate that. Do, oh, oh, right. They can take him back. Oh, is he the one with that vile mother? Oh, I hate the mother. Oh, the mother is horrible. Oh, what a nasty piece of... Oh, I don't like her. But they were saying... Oh, horrible woman. Terrible. Terrible. Oh, God, no, she was awful. I hated her. She was, she was attacking him. She attacks their... They have a younger son, I think, with glasses. Oh, she's vile. Oh, she's a stupid woman. Stupid woman. Brick her up in the cellar, that's what I say. Brick her up in the cellar. Get rid of her. Bury her with a load of Pete Beale's stalls. Uh, Big Brother winner, celebrity Big Brother winner, Bez... Reckons there could be a place for the Hit Channel 4 show to return to our screens. I don't think so, love. If, if you were a celebrity, I tell you, I'm giving up the business. No, we, we don't need anybody else, I think. We don't want any more celebrity big brothers. We don't want anything like that at all. I've really had quite enough of that, uh, that kind of silly little people. Because we must have run out of things. If I told you yesterday that Kerry Katona thinks she's going to revive a singing career, which she never had, so let's not sort of enter the strange fantasy world of former druggie uh, Kerry, she'd had no singing career. 
but she's obviously thinking, wait a minute, I've done all the reality shows, I've done the bit about, I'm doing it for my, for my children and the public love, mate. We don't, dear, we hate you. We really hate you. And because you've got no talent, and I think people like you should actually get out there and get a proper job. Because I've got this horrible feeling that, you know, if, if Claire sort of, you know, decides to dump you at any one point in your career, what you're going to do, I've got no idea. And you, then you're going to have to go out and try and get a job somewhere, but there are people who work harder than you. All you do, dear, is sort of prat around on ice for a little bit, pick up your 40 grand and then bugger off on holiday with the kids uh, for a photo shoot. Which is, uh, which, is, uh, which is very sad, I'm afraid. Very, very sad. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Phil says, if the BBC local stations go, maybe we'll have the pirate stations back. Oh, no. I think anything wor- nothing worse than... <coughs> we used to get that all the time, didn't we, in London? Generally by a few people who sit there with a piece of wire stretched through their bedroom window in the council flat, pumping out the biggest load of rubbish you've ever heard in your life. Matt Smith is Doctor Who, and he's been banned from showing his bottom uh, whilst filming a new show... About a gay writer. Well, it's about a gay writer, so there's a bit of, you know, there's a little bit of flesh being shown. BBC Chiefs feared it would tarnish Matt's image. Have you trawled through some of your programmes you're putting out at the moment, BBC? I don't like to sort of say too much, but by God, if you think Matt Smith showing a bit of his bum is going to upset all the fans, I mean, I really can't believe it. This this programme features gay sex, male nudity and sadomasochism. A bum seems almost tame by comparison, doesn't it? Uh, Other stories today, well, apart from Christine Bleakley saying that she wouldn't mind kids. You'd think that would be a private conversation with her and Lamps, wouldn't you? As opposed to sort of sharing it with people. You go, really, isn't that just as tacky as Chloe Madeley? Isn't there a time when you should really keep it zipped and not tell anybody anything? Did you see the new petite cakes in Starbucks, says Noreen? They were giving out... We had one each and one each to take away. We've got a cake shop in Twickenham and they do little tiny uh, cupcakes because cupcakes are like everywhere. Everybody's doing cupcakes. You can't move for cupcakes. In Costco, they do a box of 12, and they're the biggest cupcakes you've ever seen. In fact, I bought some other ones for the, for the show at the Mermaid. And, uh, but the, the, the other ones, they're huge. They're absolutely enormous. And in this little shop in Twickenham, they make little miniature ones. You get 16 in a box. A little tiny, the size of an egg box. Little miniature cupcakes. I don't know why they're coming back again. Everybody thought they were naff first time round. But she says, uh, I know you're very busy Friday. I am. Car wash, socks. Halogen oven, you know, it's like, it's a showbiz, hurly-burly world, ladies and gentlemen. You know, you think all the time I'm talking to celebrities on the phone. I do, but I make them wait, you know, till I bought the socks. I do need socks. I absolutely need socks today, because I've, I've got socks that some people bought me for Christmas, and to be honest with you, I can't do socks with funny faces on, or patterns, or anything like that, or I can't do coloured socks. I like plain, black, you know, normal socks. Not shorty socks, but not longy-longy socks. Don't look like something out of the Raj or something like that, you know, which were white socks and went above your knees or just below your knees. And so I just like normal black socks because that way, you know, it looks... I don't like it when people sit there and their trousers run and they're wearing white socks. Remember how naff white socks became? People go, you've got white socks? Oh, horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Uh, I listen to you weekdays from about 5.15 till 6 on the way to work, says Andrew, and I like your show. That'll be good. See, I like people who like the show. Uh, has Jason Gardner had a hair transplant? They're saying the reason he's wearing his hat on the show is because he's had a £12,000 hair transplant. He was outed by Philip Schofield the other day. Ooh, Philip Schofield told tales out of school that uh, he'd, had a, he'd had a hair transplant. I to be honest with you, I don't really think it matters whether you have a hair transplant. I mean, I could have one if I wanted. But, you know, it's, it's not worth it. I prefer to keep my, uh, my hair cut short... 
Unfortunately, the shorter you keep it cut, the more you need it cutting, because it's only got to grow a little half an inch here and half an inch, and it just looks messy to me. But uh, that's why they say he's been wearing a hat, because he's, uh, he's had a hair transplant. Ha! Ha! Interesting. Tony says, what about your socks? Have you got a room full of them? I wish. No, no, no. They, they go, I'm afraid. They just go. I've got a, a thing about socks. It's become an obsession. Over the years, I buy them, I wear them, I throw them away. It's as simple as that. I don't even take them to the charity shops because I think to myself, there's no point. I don't think anybody else wants to wear your cast-off socks or underwear or things like that. And I don't want to put them in the clothing bins because I know that gangs climb in there and steal things. And, and I, I want to be a crocodile the other side, so when they send the person in, the crocodile eats them. You know, I think you could write a children's book about that, couldn't you? But uh, no, so we, we don't keep socks. But we don't do socks with funny faces. And I've seen, I tell you, wears them. David Frost wears socks which are really bright colours. I cannot wear bright coloured socks. They're just It just doesn't look right. Although I had a bit of a disaster with some pants the other day, which I'll tell you about in a minute. Quarter to six, these are the headlines. Britain and France have issued a rallying call to the rest of the EU to unite in its efforts to end the Gaddafi regime in Libya. Ahead of a summit in Brussels later, David Cameron and Nicolas Sarkozy said any no-fly zone over the country would only be imposed with international support. The cost of car insurance is increasing because of fraud, including staged accidents. MPs are calling for the industry to fund a dedicated police unit to stamp out false claims. And a 24-hour helpline to support troops returning from Iraq and Afghanistan is being introduced. It's designed to help soldiers who may be suffering mental health problems. Let's have a check on the roads for you this morning. It's Rachel. Thanks, Steve. Well, it's not a bad start on the roads. Ow. It's so funny, isn't it? Uh, Christine, well, it's not that funny, actually. Christine Bleakley is saying in the, a latest interview, I concentrate on the presenting, actually, dear, as opposed to giving interviews. It's really not, not good enough. She says here that she's not expecting Frank to propose soon. Well, darling, he has two other children from his previous relation, Luna 5 and Isla 3, and um, she only dated, this is Frank uh, and Ellen, for ten months, and there was no chance of him marrying her. You don't think he's seriously going to time... He's a footballer. I mean, surely he must have realised that by now. There's no chance of getting married. What, but to be tied down? Oh, my God, fathers. I don't think it'll be happening. Um, Tammy's at work at Tesco in Croydon. I listen to you every day as I start work at 5... She said, I hate working here. It's so boring. At least you make it a bit better. Oh, I think you can make any job whatever you want it to be. I've never had a job yet that I could ever say was boring. Every single... I've only had one job, actually. Actually, I've had two jobs. Now, I'll tell you what, I worked on a pig farm once. Because when I was about 15, 16, my mum said, listen, we're, we're not going to give you pocket money anymore. You need to go and get a job. Part-time job. So I, I put an advert in the paper uh, saying, you know, young lad wants work. And, uh, and I got a few offers back in. Some we had to call the police over. And, uh, and then there was another one. And it was from a man who had a pig farm. And what I had to do was clean the pigs out while I lasted a day. It was the most back-breaking work. And when I looked at it, I mean, I'm thinking, oh, God. I couldn't manage it. So in the end, I went to work for a, a hotel. I cycled out to a place uh, near Kintbury, outside of Newbury. And it was a good, a good hour and a half cycle. But I did it. I must have been so... God, I must have been so fit in those days. Because not only did I cycle out there, I cycled back again. And even when it was raining or whatever, I still cycled there. And I got the job at this hotel, which now does ballooning. And and it was my job. I was employed like a, an odd job boy to cut the grass. I can't remember what it paid. I don't think it paid very much at all. Um, we didn't do cleaning, but we had, used to have groups that used to stay there. Noreen would be thrilled, because I've, I've said this to the... To, I think to her the story before, that the love affair stayed there. 
had a big hit with Everlasting Love and things like that. And they actually stayed there, and I served them breakfast one morning. I was, like, really excited, because they, they, they were pop stars, and I was just a kid of 15. And they used to wear tight loon trousers, and they looked like pop stars. And um, the hotel had lots... I never actually went upstairs in the hotel, I don't know why. had a big central staircase. It would have been a big country house, and they made it a country house hotel. It wasn't a, wasn't a particularly good one. It's now a much, much better one. And... Um, and I used to drive this little machine around, this grass cutter, which was like a little tractor, cutting the grass. But I'd cycle for an hour and a half to get out there. How I made it, I've got no idea. I look at the journey now, and it takes longer in the blasted car than it does to do anything else. Ian says, I wonder what was found in the time capsule that was found in the rubble of the Christchurch church after the earthquake. I missed it by 24 hours. My hotel is now not standing. Terrible, isn't it? Terrible, really. Um, keep your hair on, Jace. Because he spent all that money on his teeth, so now he's had the hair done as well. Because there are pictures of him with hair. Believe me, he looks better without hair. The teeth are a bit of a worry, it has to be said. He does look as though he's wearing, you know, teeth from Muffin the Mule. Or somebody like that. (laughs) Uh, There's a man who appeared on Secret Millionaire. Has been slammed for misleading customers. Mark Pearson's group buying site Groupola bait priced by offering 400 iPhones for £99 each. They managed to get 15,000 customers to register, but only eight were sold at the cheap price. Mr Pearson, who's worth £30 million, denied personal wrongdoing, but still apologised and saying, the team responsible is no longer with the firm. They all say that, don't they? The team responsible for doing this is no longer with the firm. Uh, here's... Uh, now, why did I bend that page over there? Oh, yes. The Gypsy Cousins have been warned they'll be arrested at this stage of bare-knuckle brawl. This is Paddy Doherty was planning a £50,000 prize fight with Johnny Joyce 20 in revenge for an earlier scrap. Big girl's blouses, honestly. It's not going to take place because the police have said, um, you're not going to. Although Paddy of Salford had pledged to fight to the last breath. What a pile of rubbish, honestly. Apparently, King of the Gypsies, Billy Welsh, there is no such thing as King of the Gypsies, I'm here to tell you. There is no such title. It's, uh, it's really, it's just rubbish. But it's not going to happen. Here's Blue. And, um, they, they've been told that uh, if you're indiscreet because you're representing Britain, the BBC have said, we're going to yellow card you. And it's a case of stay in or you're out. In other words, they're not going to put up with any messing around. And say, I don't know why they've done it. I really don't know why they've done it. And I've, I'm such a huge fan of Eurovision. In fact, I must be a huge fan because I got all the Eurovision albums and I've got the D- the DVDs as well. I feel a bit embarrassed telling you that, but I have because I like a lot of the songs. You remember, of course, Anthony Costa, only a short while ago, was photographed urinating just over the road here at a cash point. Filthy boy, honestly. What, you know, drunk, of course, but uh, urinating and, th- and they managed to get a picture of him doing it. This is the, next to the Pret-a-Manger. I know, the Did, post office The post office one. I use that cash point. I'm not using it ever again. Disgusting, honestly. So, I'm terribly sorry, boys, but I'm afraid, what with that and a few other bits and pieces, it ain't, you know, it ain't, um, it ain't looking promising, I'm afraid. Uh, I can recommend a visit to Bletchley Park in Hertfordshire, says Bruce. Do you and your listeners, well, we know about Bletchley Park, because that was where they broke the code. That's where they broke the enigma. It was here where he said it was broken during the Second World War. Our guy, Gene Valentine, actually worked on the machinery that broke the code and was able to tell us firsthand what life was like there and the sacrifices made during the war. We really do owe that generation a huge debt. Oh, absolutely. I would never disagree with that at all. It's disgraceful how we treat these people as they're near the final years. Whenever you see an old person walking down the street, the chances are they'll have had something to do with the war. 
that have done something to it. But unfortunately, nowadays, I mean, people just have no respect for anybody at all, do they? It's, it's, almost, it's almost depressing at times. It really is. Oh, do you remember I told you about the, uh, the girl the other day who quit being a beauty therapist because she got strain injury and she was suing... She got £300,000 compensation. We've gone mad in this country, haven't we? Absolute compensation mad. Apparently, on one occasion, she became so distressed... She was sent home from Heathrow after an overweight man asked her to do it harder. They told London's High Court they now struggle with basic tasks, including taking the Sunday roast out of the oven. So for this, they give you... See, I can't quite understand compensation. I I get a bit confused by that. So in other words... You, you suffer with taking the roast out of the oven, so we give somebody 300,000. OK, that, that's what the judge has decided. How does that solve the problem? Does that mean they now employ somebody to take the roast out of the oven? Anyway, the, uh, the other woman uh, got 69,000. Uh, the judge uh, rejected the claim, saying she's clearly a woman of fortitude and determined, determination, making the best of her situation. So she got 69,000 because they thought that she didn't actually you know, do the rest. They were claiming depression and all sorts of things. Blimey, I tell you, you want to come into the real world sometimes. I find it absolutely unbelievable now. There are two girls here. They were brought over to this country by a pastor, Okay, Lucy Adenji, kept trafficked children as slaves. She's quite clearly a piece of filth. This is a pastor, ladies and gentlemen. And they were subjected to forced labour, servitude and abuse. Okay, they were eventually rescued by the police, and uh, this pastor was convicted. A quite filthy, disgusting piece of work. Anyway, the two girls who were rescued are now suing the Metropolitan Police for failing to save them from the abuse first time round. And the Metropolitan Police have said, they can't name the women for legal reasons, that they didn't agree to cooperate. What were we supposed to do? It's just ridiculous. Isn't it amazing how people sort of come here, within five minutes they've worked out compensation. There is, you know, asylum, compensation, money, money, give money. And now that we're told on the news that, uh, unfortunately, there are all these fake accidents, comes as no surprise to me. We've seen people driving in front of other cars off the motorway. We've seen lorries that have got cameras fitted to prove that nothing ever happened. It's a huge market. A lot of people who will cheat the system with the help of uh, bent insurance brokers, bent garage owners, bent doctors. You know, all for the backhander to get the big amounts of money. You try proving whiplash to somebody, you can't. But as long as it means you can wear a silly little collar for a few weeks, you can get some money out of companies like that. It's, it's got completely out of hand. Um, another one here says, The cupcake place is called Sweetie Pie Boutique. I took my little girl there for a birthday party on Sunday. Lovely cupcakes and a great selection of teas. Yes, I'm surprised it survived, to be honest with you. A lot of these shops in Church Street don't survive, especially just over the way from them. There's another little delicatessen-type thing, which is selling roughly the same. But the sweetie shops move, so that's good news. And, um, Steve, in England, it's a fairy cake. We don't need this American import of a cupcake, for goodness sake. I agree, but they were nice. Even as kids, we like chocolate cupcakes. I want a bang that talks about me. Morning, everybody. It's uh, coming up to eight minutes past six. I'm Steve Allen. This is LBC's Early Breakfast. We're coming to you live from Leicester Square. It's nice to have you company. Welcome to Friday. Ray for Friday. Uh, I've just noticed that Kira Knightley is going to play Tinkerbell in a new Peter Pan movie. How many more movies about Peter Pan do we need? We can't need any more, surely. We've had animated, we've had part animation, we've had, you know, oh, dear. Didn't we have the, uh, the one with Robin Williams, which was Hook? Which I thought was very beautifully shot. I didn't quite follow it. But anything that had snow in it, so I quite liked the Darling family with snow and Nano, the, the dog and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, not another Peter Pan. Come up with something more original, please. Doctor Who star Karen Gillan 
has told how she was bullied at school because of red hair. I thought people would love red hair. I thought people would absolutely love it. But school kids pick on anybody. Uh, she says here that she was itching to leave Inverness behind, so at 16 she enrolled on a drama course before going on to Italia Conte. She says, I remember walking down the school corridor and somebody going, Ugh, you're tall, lanky and ginger. She said, I never had a problem with being tall and always believed red hair would benefit me in the long run. To be honest with you, I, I agree with you. But the trouble is, Karen, as you're probably aware now as you turn into an adult that everybody got bullied at school. Every single person got picked on, whether they were tall, short, specky four eyes, spots, ginger, black, losing your hair, hair, you know, I mean, everything. Absolutely everything. You know, you're too fat, you're this, you won't share your sweets, you won't do... Everybody got picked on. I thought red hair was lovely, actually, but there is a difference, isn't there, between red and ginger. I've seen some people who have really red hair, which is what you would call ginger, but really, really ginger... Really, really ginger. And gen- uh, a friend of mine's got ginger hair, although I've got another friend who thinks that it's it's strawberry blonde. Whereas it's, I said, it's ginger. He said, no, 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 it's strawberry blonde. I went, OK, fine, as long as you believe that. But uh, generally they've got very pale skins. I've not got very pale skin, actually. Oh, I'd love to be ginger. That would be quite nice, actually. Ginger or red-headed. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? There are websites devoted to red-headed people, which is, which is very good. Um... What do we got here? Oh, yes, almost 50% of drivers back a zero-drink drive limit. I agree, because drink driving uh, is, is, you know, if, if you do have one drink, it affects different people different ways. They say, this is, this is what the, the limit is. But unfortunately, there is no way of having a drink and knowing if you're under or over the limit. So I bought, years ago, I bought um, a breathalyzer. You could buy them, I think, in the Innovations catalogue, and you put a straw in, you... After you'd had... It was amazing, after you'd had a few drinks at home, how how little it actually took before you were over the limit. That's why my heart always goes out to people. You know, if you're driving down the road late at night... The other day, they had, um... Frank... Frank... Oh, chat show host, football man, Frank... Skinner. And he was stopped by the police... He's not had a drink for something like eight or nine years. He said, but I still thought, oh, my God, they're going to breathalyse me. Because they said to him, have you had a drink? And he said, I've not drunk for years. And, uh, but you do worry, don't you? Think Maybe I've had a sweet, which is sort of, you know, will, will make the machine say something different. Well, you do panic about that. Just seeing a blue light makes it fairly panicky for me. I'm not very good at all. So I, I'm quite in favour of having zero tolerance. In some countries, it's completely... You know, if you've had a drink and they catch you and they detect... You're off the road. There's no messing around. There's no bringing out an expensive lawyer, which people do here, you know, bringing out Mr Fixit and all that kind of stuff, Mr Loophole. They don't do that at all. The Guinness Book of Records has confirmed we have a new oldest person. Bessie Cooper from Georgia in the US of A, is 114 years old. Born in Tennessee on the 26th of August, 1895. Who do you think should be in the Guinness Book of Records? What, what do you think... What do you think you should be in the Guinness Book of Records for? Mine, I think, is endurance. I think endurance... In, in the face of adversity. So do you think you should be in the Guinness Book of Records? I mean, to be honest with you, all these people who eat 24 cauliflowers in one sitting or, you know, sort of eat... 50 very hot curries or something like that. But 114 years old, I mean, it's very nice, but you can't imagine there's a great quality of life there. She's not exactly going to be sort of playing tennis every day or going out hang gliding, is she? Although you'd like to think that as you get near the end of your life, and nobody knows when the end of your life is, but some poor woman in the paper today, 32, she goes to the supermarket with her son, drops dead on the spot. 
they couldn't revive her. So there's no knowing, is there? When you're going, I was watching uh, the other day uh, poor Tommy Cooper at Live from Her Majesty's, and they didn't know what went on. Nobody was aware at the time. They just carried on with the show. It must have been really difficult. But on the following show, as Ray will tell you, they, um, at the end of the show, the comedian Jimmy Tarbuck said, thank you to the thousands of people who've written in and we've passed all your letters on to Mrs Cooper. And, uh, and that got a huge round of applause, which was very nice. So Bessie Cooper, 114 years, they always say 114 years young, although she's probably thinking quite the opposite. Born in Tennessee in 1895. What do you think you should be in the Guinness Book of Records for? What would you like to be in there for? Don't say living or you're consuming half a pint of cider on a Friday night. Not the kind of thing we want to hear, is it, really? So uh, do let me know, 84850 or LBC973. LBC 973. Tony says, how lazy was you, were you? Instead of going looking for work when you were young, you put an ad in the paper. Then you put your feet up, no doubt, and waited for the offers to come flooding in. And they did. (laughs) I know, because I was enterprising, you see. I was enterprising. Why actually wear out shoe leather when you just phone up the local paper and you put an advert in? You know, going traipsing around, certainly not. Here, here is our telephone number. It's Newbury 407625, whatever it was. And, uh, hello? Yes, I did place the advert in the paper. Yes, and that way they can hear you on the phone and, and realise that you're a refined person. So, in fact, that wasn't lazy. That was very enterprising. Very enterprising. Steve says, you've never been bored in a job. Try working air freight and sitting on the horseshoe for hours on end. You see, I've never had a boring job. I loved working in retail. Who was I talking to the other day that worked in retail? Would have been somebody around here, actually. Oh, James O'Brien used to sell suits. You'd never know. He, um, you'd never know he was in clothing at all. <laughs> the last thing he's famous for around here is, uh, is sort of, you know, sartorial elegance. He does have his one suit that he wears occasionally on the Titmar show, but that's about it. And uh, so I, I, did, I did retail, and I loved it. The only thing I hated was getting carpet fluff all over me because it was my school blazer. My mum just un- unstitched the badge off it, and it became like, so I had, you know, I, I look smart. Nowadays, you go into... I told you, I went into Fortnum and Mason's in the wine department, and their shoes were so filthy dirty. I thought, if I'd been running that department, I'd be... Go and clean your shoes. This is an upmarket store. Where do you think you are? Dreadful. We always had to clean our shoes. Um, so, I've never been bored. Never been bored in, in radio. How can you be bored? Every day is different. Every day, another version of Jordan's life comes, to, comes into being. Or every day, there'll be somebody who's done something which, which gets everybody going. So you can never be bored here. You get so many different listeners, so many people writing in and people sending in photos and the shows. You can never be bored in this job. I get really angry if people go, oh, I'm bored. The only thing I get is bored in between doing things. If I finish at 7 and I don't have an interview to do till 11, I get really bored. Because I sit there thinking, you know, there's only a certain amount of time that you can buff your nails. <laughs> News headlines, Sam Pittis. Airline giant Virgin Atlantic's announced the creation of... We're very confused about poor Bessie Cooper now. She's either 114, born in 1890... We think 1896 she was born. 1896. Because, yes, because if she was 1895, she'd be 117 or something. 100, yeah, 116. But she's not. She's 114. She was born in 1896 in August. So August, you know... 104. Okay, right. Cleared that one. But this way, I don't think she's going to be sitting in the home worrying about how old she is. She's 114. And somebody says to her, hello. So, hello, Bessie. Hello. How old are you? I ain't got no idea at all. Well, we think you're 114. 
Good God, that'll kill anybody. <laughs> she might have gone by the end of today. So what we're asking you is, what do you think you should be in the Guinness Book of Records for? In the case of Tony, it's not being very bright and not actually managing to get a job. He says, so if ever I'm out of work and the job centre asks what I've been doing to look for work, I'll say, I've had an ad in the paper for the last six months. My ad was in one time and I got four job offers on one advert. Obviously, I've got something a bit more than you have, Tony. Uh, Stephen in Morden says it's my wife's birthday today, or birthday, as he's written here. I don't know if it's the same as a birthday. Perhaps it's a birthday. Perhaps you have something different on a birthday. I don't know. Today she's 44. She's not going to thank you for that one, is she? Unfortunately, she appears not to have a name. And uh, nothing wrong with red hair, Steve, but people say redheads are quite fiery. What's the matter with that? Everybody's quite fiery. doesn't matter if you've got red hair, black hair, pink hair, green hair. It doesn't matter. You know, redheads are fiery. That's like saying all Pisceans love water. You know, that kind of thing. It's, it's like reading your star signs and trying to, get, trying to get interest. I used to read the star signs, actually. I used to read them every day. And then I used to read the other star signs that weren't mine, and they were just as applicable. So, I mean, I, we used to do them on the programme. Um, 84850. Uh, somebody says, you talk about your previous jobs. I only had one other. Or actually, perhaps it was two. I worked for the John Lewis Partnership... That was very nice. I like that as well. Because you didn't have to do as much work as I did when I was working for the uh, other department store. And uh, did I have any other jobs? I worked in a pub for a while. Very good at working pubs. Very good at working pubs. I've always said to people, when, they, when they've said to me before about London and how depressing it is and, you know, you don't meet anybody because nobody wants to talk to you. I mean, it's like people rush past you. You could speed up Leicester Square. Nobody says anything. It's only when somebody... I'm so surprised when somebody walks past me and they go, Morning, Steve. And I go, oh, hello, because I'm... I'm generally in my own little world, because you don't like to talk to people, do you, that often. But uh, I've always said, get a job in a bar. Get a job in a, in a nightclub or something like that, because people always talk to barmen and women, or bar persons, or whatever they're called. And, and it's the only way to meet people. And that way, you're being paid. Unfortunately, you're not supposed to drink. We used to drink. Didn't make any difference. Uh, but it's, it's the only way to meet people in London. You're never going to meet people. You're not going to meet people driving a train, are you? You're not going to meet people in a shop. For the simple reason, they're just going to come up to you and go, I'll have that, and that'll be, that's the end of the transaction. They don't stand there because there's other people behind you in the queue go, excuse me, have you finished? I get really angry if somebody's standing there having a little conflab about, you know, the state of the world and things like that. So, uh, so I don't. I don't. But working at a bar, always very, very good indeed. Um, I'd like to have the most gingery hair in the world, says Dave. You see, you could have, you could have gingery. I think, lovely. He said, he says, I'd like to have the most gingery hair in the world. That's what it says here. I'm reading the words, unless you're reading something else. I'd like to have the most gingery hair in the world. What did you read? Oh, you read... She's reading something else. I've no idea what she's reading. She's reading all these strange words. Dave Crew Cheshire. Steve, that's wife endurance. I know. Well, most people write to me about their wives. Most people. And uh, Jeff Berth booked tickets for uh, Kerry Ellis and Brian May at the Albert Hall in May. Not cheap, but proceeds go to Emuring. If only they were. If only they were. They're not, I'm afraid. Kevin Maguire's looking at the newspapers this morning. Uh, as I say, it's, it's very strange. There's a bit about uh, Jordan's divorce today. This woman gets divorced. That's the, daily, that's the best that the Daily Star can come up with. Uh, they're grabbing the £10 million Libya pad. Uh, which is equally boring, I'm afraid. And uh, Madeleine McCann on the front of the Daily Express, why the McCanns believe their daughter is still alive. To coincide with her eighth birthday, there's a new book by her mum, Kate, revealing all. How much more can be revealed? I don't want to sort of put a downer on this, but frankly, they have to keep believing she's still alive. 
because they've got no other evidence to suggest anything at all. And, uh, as usual, it'll be blaming loads of other people, as, you know, it'll be the police, it'll be this, and they didn't follow up this. They've had millions passing through to look for it, and still no nearer. Because if she's coming up eight, she was four when she went missing, you wouldn't even have recognised her at four, you ain't going to recognise her at eight. Kids change completely. But they believe she's still alive, and you have to believe that. But I, I can't help feeling that now it's, it's clutching at straws. It's a, it's a terrible situation to be in, but I don't think it's getting any nearer. If anything, it's just getting further and further away. Uh, Nick will be asking this morning on The Breakfast Show if the hatred directed towards the Deputy PM is justified. Mind you, talking of hatred directed, you see John Prescott having to brown-nose everybody on the Loose Women panel the other day. What an embarrassment. What an embarrassment. The former Deputy Prime Minister having to admit that he's having to do comic relief and everything else. This is the man who only got sort of his, uh, his peerage so that the wife could call herself Lady, making himself look a complete idiot. And I kept thinking, watching him on the tele- what is it with ex-politicians, when they're failed and they're out, that they start thinking that they've got personalities, you know, or they can dance? I mean, that would be the most humiliating thing for John Prescott, to have to sort of really sort of bite the golden penny and start taking up Strictly Dancing on Ice or something like that. But he's reading the shipping forecast, because apparently he used to be on the ships, you know, 500 years ago. And there he was, sitting there, looking for all the world, like he was so out of his depth while the loose women brown-nosed him to the point of embarrassment, I'm afraid. It really was quite ghastly. Um, do councils try and catch us out by issuing unfair parking tickets? Oh, I should think so. I think that's a fairly foregone conclusion. And uh, the royal wedding build-up. Nick will be speaking to Susie, who's getting married on the same day as William and Katie. So that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Getting married and say, if I was her, I'd cancel it. Nobody will be interested in her wedding. We want to watch the other one. She'll have nobody turning out. I mean, nobody stand there, chimney sweep, people throwing rice. Nobody throws rice anymore. They make a meal out of it, don't you? Uh, so, and should teenagers learn vocational job skills alongside traditional subjects? I wonder what you wish you'd learnt at school they never taught you. I thought, I thought repairing a boiler would be fairly popular. At school, don't you think so? As opposed to sort of doing maths and having to do art, which I thought was pretty dull anyway, and English. Why didn't they teach us, you know, plumbing courses at school? So when you left school, you've got a skill. And believe you me, you won't find people richer than plumbers or electricians or boiler technicians. Because that's, that's where... It, I mean, imagine how, how good it would be to leave school and go, I can strip a boiler down in five minutes. And they go, do you know, that is an achievement. And they go, what do you want to do? Well, no, I think I want to be famous. I can be on the television, actually. I think I'll be a singer. But I can still strip a boiler down. I wish I'd learnt the knowledge years ago. I wish I'd learnt the... For the simple reason, you could then go, I need some money today. I'll just go and get in the cab and just drive around for an hour or so till I've made some money and then go back home again. That, that would be quite a good... But we never did that. That's why they brought out sat-navs. I don't know why I bother learning the knowledge. I mean, a sat-nav is so much easier. You just said... I've noticed so many cabs have got sat-nav fitted to them. It's easy, just... Sandra and Gordon are in the sleepy lagoon of Tooting which at this precise moment in time is probably sleeping. He says, Ref, yesterday's programme, we were intrigued that the cry recently went up in your office. I need to speak to someone in Tokyo. Does anybody speak Spanish? He says, only the other day, the cry went up in our office. I need to speak to somebody in Madrid. Does anybody speak Japanese? It's unbelievable, isn't it? How does this happen, ladies and gentlemen? And then I got a thing the other day from Barclays. I got a letter from Barclays Transport for London. And it said, Dear Mr Allen... I'm writing to let you know our records indicate you are not currently holding a valid access period for Barclays cycle hire. And so I got quite panicky, thinking, but I've got the little thing, you know, for when the weather gets better. I'm not going out there in this weather, thank you very much indeed. Ice all over the place and snow. Knee deep in snow round here we are in Leicester Square. And so and, and I thought, so I went to log on. I couldn't quite get through to the site. Blow me down. Within five minutes, I got another one through. 
Dear Mr Allen, we're terribly sorry that we recently sent you that letter. In fact, we emailed you earlier today. Our records indicate you are not currently holding a valid access period. Unfortunately, there's been an error in our data processing and the information was incorrect. In fact, I am holding... In fact, I'm holding two keys. Two keys so I can go cycling later on today. Well, I won't, because it's too cold. And I'm going to get the car washed and go buy some socks, because that's what people in show business do. That's what we do in show business. We don't mix with the hoi polloi all the time. We have to mix with common people. That's why I'll be going to a department store. LBC 97.3. Steve Allen. Hey, you are tired. Have a seat. Slow down. Take a break from crazy life. Paul says, first of all, Steve, I sound corrected over the local radio thing. However, read the figures are not being counted. All radio stations are pushing for us to go over to DAB and digital. Sky can calculate from their boxes how many listen. And when FM and AM finally go, how do we count then? I've got no idea. I re- I, listen, I don't understand it now. I mean, for, for the last 30 years, it's been a mystery to me how they calculate figures. Doctor Who being tarnished, he says. Has nobody from the Beeb seen the pictures of David Tennant wearing just a truncheon and a policeman's helmet? Yeah. We have. Well, apparently so. He said, hate to disillusion them, but there are hardly any actors who haven't got their kit off or done something they would rather regret, as in poor Aston from JLS, who you remember dressed up as a chef to do a chef routine. I know. I used to watch him on the television all the time. Uh, Tom Utley is writing in the Daily Mail today about the census form. He says, my great-granddad's census form was one page long. Today's 32-page monster would have him reaching for the smelling salt. Yes, but you don't fill in 32 pages, Tom. You know, I mean, I only filled in, I think, four pages. Because if there's nobody else in the household, that's, that's what the rest of it's for. It's only, you know, four little pages. It's, it's hardly difficult. <clears throat> How many bedrooms you've got? How many other rooms you've got in the house? Who is your employer? And uh, what do you do for a living? And, and I didn't think there was anything more complicated than that in there. <coughs> Excuse me. If, of course, you've got children and uh, you've got other family members living with you and there's going to be people staying in your house on the night of the 27th, well, then you've got to fill in something else or you've got visitors from overseas. But if you haven't, it doesn't make any difference at all. Uh, Lynn says, I hope to be in the record books for patience. My hubby can really moan. <laughs> and Jenny says, it's my birthday today, Steve, and I met three other Pisceans in the bar last night. We're such lovely people. I don't think everybody's lovely as Piscean. I don't know what the, what the traits are Pisceans are supposed to be interested in. Strangely drawn to water... Uh, fantasists, they, they do a lot of daydreaming. I mean, this, is a, this probably applies to everybody, but this is what I was always told years ago, and I've kind of hung on to it. And uh, generally not very good with money. Generally speaking, not very good. I think, I, I think Taurians are better with money than Pisceans are. And, um, and we live in this sort of strange fantasy world, which we're quite happy with. So, that's us. And I don't even like fish, although I did have some fish fingers again yesterday. I had to have them, I'm ever so sorry. In fact, they seemed to last longer yesterday. I ate eight. And, uh, and I shouldn't have had them. I really shouldn't have had them. Because later on, I then had um, some sprouts. And I should have actually done the fish fingers with the sprouts. Eight uh, for 850. Uh, I was listening to you yesterday and you were being mean about Dermot O'Dreary. And as I was leaving work, he got on the lift with me. I just started laughing. Um, he says, he thought I went mad because of you. Well, there you go. Dermot O'Dreary, the one who didn't get the job in America. Uh, the reason he didn't get it is because... You know, they, they don't know who he is. They've got to give it to, uh, to somebody else. 
Most MPs end up in the Lords, including John Prescott, get £800 a day allowance for sitting in the house snoring. Why don't they get a pay cut, says John. I don't think they quite get £800 a day. It would be very nice if they did. They would be sitting there most of the time. They do get allowances for meals and stuff like that, but it's nowhere near the £800 a day you think it is. But even so, I just can't bear looking at John Prescott. He just, you know, he's just a man who's sold out in every... In every sort of way, I'm afraid. In every way. Uh, so have you filled in the census form? Have you filled in the census form? The other thing which I know you're interested in is the Eurovision Song Contest. Now, I have been a fan of Eurovision for a long, long time. I don't necessarily watch it, but I know lots of people who have Eurovision parties. And they sit down and they do the voting and they then, you know, we the results of the Austrian jury and the results of the, you know, Uzbekistan jury and the results of the Irish. I mean, because the Irish have got Jedward this year, poor souls, but uh, they really don't want to win it. They really don't. They're just going to let these silly little boys jump around on the stage and be silly and, and then we'll all go home and forget about it. And we've got blue and they're in all the papers today. They are confident about their Eurovision bid. Who would you like to represent? Because we didn't pick them. I mean, did, were you asked if you wanted to pick Blue? No, I wasn't asked. Were you asked if you wanted to pick this particular song? No. The BBC make up the rules as they go along. To be honest with you, I think it should be given to ITV. Let Simon Cowell run it. Who would you like to represent the UK? Because they've always said it should be somebody who's had chart success. So we had Cliff Richard, Lulu, Sandy Shaw, all the people who are having big chart success. Didn't harm them. In recent years, it then went down the road of people who had no talent whatsoever. When it actually turned out, because on this show you've got to sing live, they're not going to put up with people who mime. So how the hell Jedward are going to get away with it? I've got no idea. They're going to be auto-tuned to the hilt, let me tell you. Uh, and Blue are going to be singing live. Or are they? I wonder what, whether the rules have changed on Eurovision now. Who do you think should represent the United Kingdom? Or do you think we should just do away with it altogether? Why should we bother? The thing's a fiddle from start to finish. Now that, you know, the, the big superpowers are involved, all the other little nations kowtow to them. So even if the song is rubbish, they still vote for them. So, we're, we're never going to win. We're never going to be voted for by Germany. We're never going to vote for Germany. You know, there's lots of toing and froing. So, isn't it about time we just went, oh, it's part of old rubbish anyway. You know, it's just a lot of silly people wearing silly outfits. You know, the, uh, do you remember Dana International, the transsexual? Apparently, I think she's actually going back in for it again. I think she thought it was good for her career. But you, I, I do marvel at, at some of, these, some of our, our European neighbours and what they put up and what they actually think is a song that might help them win. Because some of them are just dire. I've got one. I was listening to on the car the other day. It's about an apricot stone. Apricot stone. It was, all, it was quite nice, actually. It was quite catchy, but you're never going to hum it to yourself. Well, I thought it was quite catchy in the car, but I've heard it about 500 times now. So, Blue say they're confident about their Eurovision bid. <gasps> but who would you like to represent the UK? Or would you like to just scrap it and say, listen, why should we waste it? It costs a fortune to go in for it. You know, I suppose, well, scrapping of the BBC local radio might actually help, might it? We could scrap them. We could, actually, we could, if we kill Eurovision and them, we could save a fortune. In fact, we could just close the BBC down altogether. We could have all the programmes made by Global. I see no problem with that. Global and Simon Cowell. What a great meeting. 84850, LBC 973. 84850 or LBC 973. Uh, another story here. Well, I see that the Earl and Countess of Wessex... Edward and Sophie will visit Bermuda, Barbados, Barbados and the Bahamas, but they won't meet inappropriate times. Do you know the Earl and Countess did over 500 official engagements last year? Kept that one pretty quiet, because the trouble is they don't make news anymore. They're, they're actually very sweet, 
And they're very quiet couple, aren't they? Very, very quiet couple. But out of all the, the members of the royal family, they, they were the marriage that everybody thought would be the first one to collapse. And, of course, they're the ones who are still going. All the other marriages collapsed. You know, we had uh, Anne's, we had Andrew's, we had Charles. Somebody said, you know, to have one, one marriage collapse is a bit careless, but by the time you get to the third one... Yeah, ri- what the heck was that on the television? They're, they're obviously looking at fat, overweight people, and there was somebody that who was oh, scary, scary. Was that me? Was that me? So anyway, so they're now off there, uh, travelling in support of the international award for young people, as the Duke of Edinburgh's award is now known overseas. I started doing the Duke of Edinburgh's award, and to be honest with you, I couldn't. I, it, we had to go camping in Savannah Forest. I found it a very distressing experience, I'm afraid, especially as we thought we were being attacked by ghosts and everything else. Oh, very worrying. No, you have only that sort of age. Mummy, you look yummy. Everywhere now we have yummy mummies. And this is mummies who don't want to look old and haggard, so they, they go to the papers, and the papers do them up now. And, uh, and, and what, what they want is just this little boost. That's why the programme's on the television during the daytime, where they've got makeup uh, hints and hair and clothing. Women sit down, they're going, oh, that's a nice outfit. Oh, I, I like that outfit. That's a, I, do, I could do my hair like that. You know, they don't have them for boys, because boys and men don't, they're not remotely interested. Apparently the majority of people watching the television are sort of sitting there watching, is there anything for blokes on? No, no, there's a cooking thing. Years ago, there was a lovely programme called Country Kitchen, and it was a film set with a kitchen and a sitting room and a dining room, and the camera wandered from room to room. And you'd have these lovely old ladies, about 70, and they'd go, do you know, I think we'll make some, what should we make today? And they'd make a cake, but they'd make it from start to finish, and I used to sit there in awe. And then the camera would sort of slowly move into the sitting room. There, two of them would be sitting down discussing the latest method of darning socks. And it was, it was very interesting, you know. But there's nothing for men on the television. There is absolutely nothing. I see they've overhyped the price of uh, Gaddafi's £10 million mansion. The Daily Mail have decided to put it up to £12 million now. So that's good news. It's, it's, it's magically... It's got a lovely swimming pool, to be honest with you, in it. But, of course, uh, the Gaddafis don't stay. It's got a home cinema screen. And, um... It's all fully fitted out. All fully fitted. Ten million. Makes you wonder how on earth Gaddafi's son could afford that. I mean, what does he do to warrant buying a ten million, ten million pound house? It was bought through an offshore company. It's always the way to do it, isn't it? And a teenager here, Monique Smith, could face a two-year prison sentence for killing her brother's hamster in America. They're not wasting time in America. Over here, they're probably, oh, poor soul, perhaps she had a drink problem or something. Over in America, they're borderline hanging her at the moment, because she threw the animal to the ground in front of the horrified family after he killed her hamster, apparently. I mean, what a ghastly family. What a revolting... I'll tell you what, let's pick you up, Monique, and throw you to the ground with your ghastly brother. Anyway, he then called animal protection officers, and so, consequently, uh, she's now been charged with animal cruelty. She could get a £3,000 fine and, uh, and, and go to prison for two years. I think so, too. I know people might go, it's only a hamster. Not only a hamster, it's an animal. You see people doing this this cruelty, and I just think it's absolutely dreadful. They're going to be talking today, of course, uh, about car insurance. It just goes through the roof. For people in this business, it's astronomical, I'm afraid. And it's because of fraudulent injury claims, and it's the ambulance chasers. Have you fallen over on a pavement? Call this number now. You know, that, that kind of thing. And so people now, and that's why so many lorry drivers are having cameras fitted, and people with cars are having cameras fitted, to stop those who will sort of crash into you and then stagger out and go, oh, oh, my neck, my neck. They're compulsive liars, unfortunately. Uh, Steve, Fred the Shred Godwin is a Torian. Look how good he was with money. Yes, he's not a banker. I can't call him a banker. 
Apparently he doesn't like being called a banker. In fact, it's on the front of all the papers today that he's taken out an injunction. He doesn't want to be... I thought he was a banker. I thought... You know. uh, will you be taking part in the St. Patrick's Day Parade? They're not calling it that. They're calling it... Because uh, I thought they'd be calling it St. Patrick's Day Parade. It's calling... It's being called something else, actually. Uh, it's on Sunday. It says, why don't you pop down and, uh, and see us after the show? I'll buy you a birthday drink. There's Robert, Donna, Marie and Erin. Very nice indeed. Yes, it goes... It's from uh, Piccadilly Circus all the way through here and then down into uh, Leicester Square. There'll be much drinking and much wearing of those Guinness hats which will be sent out to everybody with the, the shamrock sitting on the front of it. Uh, there'll be some of the, There'll be tons in the office. I'll walk in and, you know... and it, We got Guinness sent in, didn't we, last year? See, I've never drunk Guinness. I can't do Guinness at all, but uh, I won't be taking part in the parade... Much as I'm sure people would love me to be on the float, or at least underneath the float. So, but I, I will be wandering down there to have a quick look after the programme. Quarter to seven. News headlines, it's Sam Pettis. A powerful earthquake has struck Japan, causing damage... 7.3. Morning, everybody. Ten to seven. Actually, I was just reading my horoscope in the mirror today. It doesn't make any sense at all to me, this one. It says Pisces. You do have a lot going on, and while I can get excited watching from Olympus... I know that is. I know that where you are, it's not easy to keep up with the changes. Trust. You're not given anything you can't deal with and will. What does that mean? I don't understand any of it. From Olympus. Although, strangely, we were talking about Olympus yesterday, weren't we? Because they've got sl- snow on Mount Olympus. Uh, Andrew saw Duncan James from Blue in Legally Blonde, the musical, and Simon Webb from Blue in Sister Act. And he said both actually very good singers. Yes, I mean, I, I don't doubt it. I'm just thinking... You know, Eurovision, it's now seen as a bit naff. You know, we're flying the flag and all that kind of stuff. You know, it was a lot, so, so much better when it was making your mind up. You know, that was the kind of thing I, I could deal with. Read the Eurovision, wheel Pearl Carr and Teddy Johnson back on if they're still alive, says Brian in Hampton Hill. Now, that I couldn't help you with, but they were in uh, the West End in, in a musical Follies years and years ago. Uh, Lynn says, what about a duet with Peter Andre and Jordan to make absolutely sure we don't win Eurovision? Well, do you remember she, she did go in for it one year, didn't she? Poor soul, honestly. She looked like a Teletubby. She was wearing this pink plastic thing, this dreadful makeup she'd had done, and, and she couldn't sing for... T- Do you remember? That she, we had that recording, which we kept playing on LBC all the time, of, of her singing that... What was the... A whole new world! She did that for children. Oh, it's ghastly. Oh, it's ghastly. Richard Desmond risked an album. I think the last I saw of it, it was being remaindered in the pound shop, and even then they couldn't sell the poor thing. Although, very funny indeed, Peter Andre's got a new perfume out, because he's, you know, he's known as being a chemist. And, um, and also that bloke from The Only Way is Essex. Apparently he's thinking about bringing out a perfume. Oh, dear, don't make yourself look stupid, love. It really is terrible. Saw Barbara and Scott last night at the show End of the Rainbow, says Jill. Says, uh, Bar looked fab. Well, she always looks fab, doesn't she? I bet Scott looked very good also. He's very good, you know, very lucky. Wish I looked like him, actually. I wish I wasn't as tall as I am. I don't think I'm... Well, I'm not that tall. I mean, I'm not sort of... Well, I'm, not, I'm nearly six foot, if I stand on tippy-toes. You know, I could just about reach the top shelf in the uh, in the newsagent. Uh, the programme of the ladies was called House Party. I used to watch it with my mam, says Lynn. Sarita says, you make me laugh. Well, well that's good. Make myself laugh at times. And uh, one here. I got up at 5.30 to go to work... And the Croydon to Epsom is cancelled due to no driver. How come there's people out of work when they clearly need drivers? I know. I've, I've sometimes sat on a train and they've gone, we're just waiting for the guard. And you say, well, where is he? Where is the guard on the train? <laughs> Bring the guard back. I'd love to be the guard on a train. I'd have an absolute field day. Good morning. Hello, team. Everybody all right this morning? 
OK, I'm located somewhere on the train. See if you can find me. I would drive people out. I wouldn't stop talking. OK, we're just coming into Clapham Junction. Ghastly station. Anyway, try and fight your way through. I love it when there's people standing next to the doors. I push my way through. I push... I, I do. I push my way through. I have to be, be honest with you. And, uh, oh, I, I just do a running commentary. Looking out the window as we trundle along. Not the fastest we've ever been. And I'm looking out there. It's a nice advert, isn't it? Do you like that? Have you seen that show there? You could... Do you know, people would be absolutely throwing themselves under the railway carriage to get away from me. I like that idea. Uh, Adele, says Annie, should, uh, should do Eurovision Song Contest. I don't know Adele, actually. Somebody recommended... Who was the other one somebody recommended? Rachel Ferguson from The X Factor. I can't remember which one she was. We don't want any of the current crop, do we? Have you noticed, though, still very, very funny that One Direction have got an autobiography out, but no, no record. No record, and still the fan, yeah, yeah, screaming for one. I get the same when I walk out the building, you know, Steve, Steve. Unfortunately, on the Zimmer frames, they can't quite get to me as fast as the One Direction fans. Uh, Mark at Islington, I have no idea. I think he's working very hard elsewhere. I think he's working very hard elsewhere. Oh, I must get one of these today, a telescopic hedge trimmer. I was a little bit worried, actually, whether I'd get one for the summer. It's only £80, getting socks today. And my feet yesterday, I walked up and down these, this building and the corridors, and the end of it, my feet were absolutely killing me. I was telling the, the girls on choice about how my feet... They thought it was hilarious that my feet were aching. And then, and then I bumped into uh, XFM, and having, having a chat to their breakfast show presenter, Dave, Dave Berry. He's so slow. It's, it was sickeningly slim, honestly, it really is. It's embarrassing. I mean, there's no point in him standing anywhere near me because he looks like a pencil and I look like the pencil and the rubber and the whole, the whole case, I'm afraid. Not very good. Uh, Daily Star, we didn't actually mention the Daily Star this morning, mainly because there's absolutely nothing in there at all uh, of any note, apart from this peculiar Argentinian who's still in the country. And um, Charlie Sheen is going bonkers. Now the police, apparently, as you've probably heard on the news, have gone to his house. They think he's got a firearm. He's now suing... The, uh, the film company who dropped him from the programme for 100 million. Fantastic, isn't it? And, uh, and here's Ant and Deck at Crufts. Uh, Ant McPartland looking okay after his brush with that stupid thug who's in the paper today saying, I put my arm round him, then I tweaked his cheek. What a stupid, stupid person he is. A pathetically simple person. Uh, the Travellers are demanding a showdown with Channel 4. Oh dear, coming to that, is it now? Over the show, which they say has sparked a string of sex attacks. Teen gypsy girls have complained to their mums they've been grabbed by leering non-traveller boys. Oh, so it's OK to be dr- grabbed by traveller boys, but non-traveller boys you can't grab. And apparently, uh, union head Josephine Smith said that by screening the incidents, TV bosses had sparked a sick nationwide craze. Oh, grow up. Stop being so stupid. Never had so much rubbish in my life. Listen, nobody goes onto traveller sites and starts grabbling, grabbing, grabbling? What's grabbling? Grabbing girls. They just don't. Anyway, Josephine has demanded a meeting. Oh, good Lord. Get over yourself, love. Please get over yourself. Or they're going to find ticket touts. If you're caught touting tickets for the Olympics, 20,000 quid. 20,000 pounds. That's good, isn't it? I like that idea, actually. £20,000 fine. They'll still do it, though. They'll still do it. Do you know, drivers lost almost £60 million last year by failing to appeal against unfair parking tickets. I've never met a traffic warden who speaks English yet. Have you found any? But they're all armed with little digital cameras. There's no messing around with it. I'm determined to hit my out time today. Yesterday, I got so carried away with the out, I was wandering down the uh, the road of my papers, and then I thought, oh, I shall never get round to this at all. But uh, I must just tell you that poor old uh, Ollie Murs wants to bag himself a cougar. 
So, and he thinks that Nigella Lawson is the ideal person for him. Don't want to break it to you, Ollie, but I don't think you'd have anything in common. Uh, she could string a conversation together. You'd be struggling, I think, after the first two minutes. You just, just stick to, to doing what you're doing at the moment, whatever it is. And uh, we'll do it again on Sunday morning. Don't forget, in conversation, Neil Tennant. New album, uh, Pet Shop Boys, which is the first ballet that they have uh, ever written, based on Hans Christian Andersen. As you can hear, the full hour conversation with Neil Tennant on Sunday morning, 6, and then 7 o'clock, we've got the breakfast programme. And don't forget that we've got an iPad 2 to give away. An iPad 2 to give away. The Whale has got one to give away today. He's had a whole week of giving away iPad 2s, so you could be among the first people in the country to get your hands on them when they're finally released. So uh, you can win them on the programme, and I'll have one to give away on Sunday morning. Don't forget to podcast the programme. Check out all the uh, the internet details, lbc.co.uk. Loads of photos and stuff. You can catch up with all your favourite presenters. Nick and the team with you after seven. First of all, the business update with Sam Pittis. Steve, the FTSE will open after closing down.